Hey everyone, you are listening to the Above the Tree Line podcast, where we take difficult questions about Christianity, faith, and culture and answer them through the lens of scripture. You can listen on your preferred podcast platform or watch online at youtube.com slash Austin Christian Fellowship. If you'd like to submit a question for us to address, you can do so at acfellowship.org slash podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Above the Tree Line podcast. I am your host, Lauren Thurston, and I'm here with Austin Christian Fellowship Senior Pastor Will Davis Hi friends. Jr. Hi, Lauren. Bringing the wisdom today. Good to see you guys. We Thanks have, for having me. Um, a really good question today, and I want to approach... Can you lead, can you lead a podcast just once and say, we have a really bad question today? Because every week you say we have a great question. I want you to start one time. We have a terrible, well, I'm not terrible you the bad topic today. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. So um, I picked this one because I feel like it's very relevant. I feel like um, seekers, even Christians to a certain degree, um, don't really know how to defend the accuracy of the Bible um, without using the Bible as a source mm-hmm. to prove mm-hmm. that the Bible is true. So what we want to talk about today is how do we know that the Bible is accurate? How do we know that it's trustworthy? And what puts this book above other religious documents like the Koran or Book of Mormon or even like Greek mythology to a certain extent? So if you were approached by someone on the street that was like, you base hmm. your whole faith on this Bible, how do you even know this Bible isn't just a story written up by a bunch of people. It's totally not true. I would say, how much time do you have? And go buy them a burger <laughs> and entertain them for the next four hours because it's such a great topic. Um, I would begin by saying you can't prove any of the Bible. None? No. That's not well, a good start. No, let me, let me, you can't prove what the Bible asserts. You can't prove God. You can't prove that God exists. So the story of the Bible is still going to come down to faith. And I think some people want to take faith out of it for our friends who play the logic card and the reason card. You can't. All faith is is reasoning on its highest level. Okay? It's reason extended. But the message of the Bible is always going to require faith. And we don't need to apologize for that. The, the just will live by faith. Okay, faith is required. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So we can't, we can't put this thing in a test tube and drop acid on it and prove it's the written word of God. It, that is going to require faith. I can, however, give you a lot of evidence that it's not made up in some smoke-filled room, that's not the product of one man with an agenda, that it's perhaps overwhelmingly the greatest supported archaeological and document document documented book in history. So there is historical There's tons on libraries all over the planet. It. I would I would prove what it what it argues is that, that the copy you have in your hand sitting over there is about ninety nine percent guaranteed to be what the originals said, which is huge for a book that old. Well, wait, let's start there. Okay. We don't have any of we don't the originals. Have a single original. So how do you know that this, like, we don't have the original to compare it to? Because the proliferation of copies that come from um, a very near time when the, when the New Testament specifically was written. Uh, we don't have many ancient copies, obviously, at all of the Old Testament. The Dead Sea Scrolls changed that game and pushed 
the oldest copy of the New Testament, Old Testament, excuse me, probably at the time of Jesus, which is pretty significant. But what we have for the New Testament is, is hundreds and hundreds of either fragments or full documents that date within 100 to 200 years of when the New Testament was written, because we can date it based on what it tells us and when it was written and the, the circumstances around it. Well, 100 to 200 years in antiquity for a no printing presses and hand translation is not very long. So it's like, it's like almost yesterday in, in scholarly thinking. And we have a proliferation of these documents that all say basically the same thing. So we, I think it's 27,000 either copies or complete fragments or complete copies of the New Testament, all that date back to antiquity. So it's the best documented book of any book in history, secular or religious. And all those Greek manuscripts are in libraries all over the world. You can go see them. They're there. So if it's... If that's true, then why don't more people accept it as I don't truth? think people know a lot of that, but it's because it's scandalous. I mean, they don't want—I think, think faith, Lauren, we're getting off topic here, comes down to you. Do you want to believe or do you not want to believe? Because we're all looking at the same evidence. The resurrection is one of the most believable events in history. Okay. That's one of the things that I want to address. So there, did I cut no, you're you good. Off? Let's go. It's your show. <laughs> so the resurrection is said to have had hundreds of eyewitnesses, mm -hmm. but so says the Bible. How do we know there were hundreds of, hundreds of eyewitnesses? Hundreds, hundreds and hundreds. <laughs> we don't. You take the Bible on faith in that. But, it does, but if you pull, pull back to the explosion of the church, after the death and supposed resurrection of Jesus and the change in the demeanor of the, of, the, of the eyewitnesses and how they went from hiding in a room to being bold and 2,000 years of church history, it starts looking believable. But the fact that Paul said several hundred people saw him, still you can't prove that. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of circumstantial evidence to go, ah, something was going on. Okay, what is the circ circumstantial evidence for the resurrection? Um, the fact that so many people that were against Christ, including Paul, who was a contemporary of Jesus, while he was alive, changed their tunes after he died. Something happened that, that really turned the world upside down. And the New Testament claims that something that happened was really two events, the death of resurrection, the, the death resurrection of Jesus, and then his ex exaltation to heaven and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which is about six events instead of two. Mm -hmm. um, that seems to be the game changer. And so, so many people, who were, including his relatives, who were not for him beforehand, became for him afterwards. And that's hard to argue against. Mm -hmm. And the church is still here. The church is still here today, thriving. And oh, by the way, all you got to do is present a body of Jesus, and we're done. You give me a crucified body of Jesus, and we can justify through DNA that it's him, you and I are out of a job tomorrow. Because the whole thing hinges not on his death, on his resurrection. Mm -hmm. And guess what? They can't and they won't, because it's not there. Speaking of not being able we're, to. You know we're off topic, things. right? You know we're so off topic. No, it's I okay. actually have this in my notes. Okay, good. Speaking of she not doesn't being share able her notes find, with me, by the way. <laughs> not being able I don't to find know. things. So take, for example, if Noah's Ark. The Old Testament talks about, and it gives us the exact measurements. 
why is there no evidence for that? Why have we not found Noah's Ark if it was such Maybe because it happened structure. like a gajillion years ago. And it would have just disintegrated. And it was nothing, wood. And there's no evidence. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, yeah, what, what hangs around that long? I mean, and some people say they've seen it and they found it, but that was, it was a piece of wood. It was a boat. And, it's, and how long ago was that, depending on how you age the earth and the, and the flood? So that doesn't bother me. It'd just be so awesome if they could find it. Because you'd be like, aha, see, told you. You know what? Jesus told the rich man who Lazarus was at his doorstep. He said, please send my brothers back from the dead to tell, or send Lazarus back from the dead and tell my brothers that you're real. He said, if they don't believe Moses and the prophets, they're not going to believe someone back from the dead. Mm. So you could do all these magic tricks and all these things and all these miracles. I had an atheist say in a debate one time, just show me a miracle. I was like, dude, you wouldn't believe. You have the scriptures. You don't want to believe. Yeah. Faith comes down to you want to believe. And this book gives you, I think, multiple reasons to believe. But it does come down to, do I want to believe what I'm reading? or not? If I'm, if I'm looking to disprove it, you're not going to believe it. So even if there are aspects of it that are proven or like historians can say, yes, that, that is in line. Yeah. We know that it has a lot of Archaeology places. Archaeology has yeah, that, yeah. 100%. Geography. How do we know that it is not just a document by man, but rather God-breathed, God-inspired? Well, there's, there's two things there. One is the, the unity. It's not by a man. It's by 40 writers, um, men and women, um, from three different continents in three different languages mm -hmm. over about a 1,500-year period. That's unlike any religious book in the world. Um, you can look at, you know, who wrote those books, where they were, and the time period involved. None was very long. This is, this is a library. It's not even a book. It's a library mm. that took 1,500 years to compile. And it's got this unbelievable unifying theme that books written 600 years after the other have prophecies that fulfill what the book 600 years earlier said, which is another argument for it. So you have this this unity of thing, but then you, you start looking for evidences of inspiration. Um, does, does the Bible present arguments or prophecies or stories that sound like it's the voice of God as opposed to the voice of men? And one of the, one of the evidences that I see in that that makes me think of God obviously is fulfilled prophecy, which would be a wonderful topic for another day. Let's talk about stuff predicted in the Bible that's come true. But I love the fact that the Bible doesn't hide the humanity of its heroes. If I was going to write a book trying to convince people of the deity of Jesus, I wouldn't ha have his disciples running from him at the cross. Hmm. I wouldn't have David committing adultery or Moses committing right. murder. David not ending well. Moses not getting into the promised land. Mm -hmm. uh, Judas depledging. I mean, Judas had access to Jesus for three and a half years, and he depledged. Yeah. Um, I, there's so much I, w I wouldn't have Peter denying in the night of. There's so much evidence of the humanity of these people that God chose to use that God doesn't apologize for. Uh, the themes of justice, the things that are so much a part of our Judeo-Christian world, and even in a non-Judeo-Christian setting, the values of the scriptures are undeniable. Murder is pretty much wrong in every culture. That, to me, gives evidence that there's, there's, there's a source behind this book that's bigger than any human could possibly be. 
that's an evidence of inspiration. Again, what, but you can't prove inspiration. You, can't. you can only look for evidence of it. Um, what would you say to people that say the, the God who inspired this book is the same God that inspired the Koran? That's a great, it's a great topic. The, um, that's, in my mind, pretty easy to shoot down because the God of the Koran behaves so differently than the God of the Old and New Testament. And the, the message of how someone gets to paradise, I'll use a general term, it's true mm -hmm. to both books, both Islam, the Quran, and scriptures, Christianity. The way you get to that paradise is completely different. Mm -hmm. One is works-based, and even then it's a crapshoot. And one is completely faith-based and based only on the work of God. Well, why would the same God give two completely opposite messages? Mm -hmm and behave so differently in two different worlds. And in one book, recognize Jesus as a prophet, but the others say he's God's son. Mm -hmm. So there's way too much contradictory teaching in the Quran and the, and the Christian Bible for it to reasonably argue that it's the same God. Because it doesn't, the, the Muslims aren't saying that, and the Christians aren't saying that. Right. So why should anybody else say it? It's the coexist yeah, people who are saying Yeah, it's the coexist people it. saying Yeah. Exactly right. And they haven't read either one of them by the way. Right. They haven't. <laughs> Usually not. So let's talk about the canonization yeah. of the Bible. Who determined the books that now make up the Bible that we have? And how do we know that they did that accurately? We, it's faith, ultimately. Again, you, this, you, can't, you can't prove that this is the only authoritative library of books on the planet. But there, there, were, there were things the New Testament church was looking for to, to summarize, I'll use the word canonize, which means standardize, the teaching of Christianity. There were about 20 books pretty much recognized almost immediately mm -hmm. as having evidences of an authorship that someone had access to Jesus, evidences of inspiration. There were also a lot of copies floating around that clearly were not inspired and were telling things about mm -hmm. Christianity and Jesus that the eyewitnesses could say this is not true. Like the apocrypha that were well agnostic. And, uh, the the extra biblical gospels. Okay. Okay. The, the Gnostic gospels, the those kind of things, yeah. floating around. And we had a twenty book New Testament almost immediately, and it took about three hundred years for the church to finally standardize the ultimate twenty seven, which they thought bore the marks of inspiration and bore authorship of someone who had access to Jesus. Paul being the last, that there was enough agreement that these are the what we're going to use to... They never set out to write a Bible. But the Bible was the result of this canonization effort. It was, we, need a, we need an authoritative document that kind of argues against all this junk out there, helps Christians know what they believe, and also give us a standard about what we believe to teach people in. And that's how the Bible happened. But it didn't happen overnight. The last book of the Bible is written about 90 AD, and full acceptance, canonization, doesn't happen for another 300 years, mm -hmm. 310 years. So it took a minute, which is yeah. part of me what's so cool about it, because the Quran's produced in a matter of short years. Mm -hmm. And this took you know, 1,500 years to produce, and another 400 to recognize. Mm -hmm. That feels like God working through history to me. And it's interesting that it's been under constant attack. Oh, yeah. Why? 
Yeah. And it still has yeah. withstood the test of time. Why is it so attacked? What would you say to people who are concerned about the inconsistencies in the Bible? Um, I'd say they haven't done their homework. Um, because if you really study it, you can pretty much through grammar or through context um, or through knowing the biblical writer's purposes dismiss without being sloppy almost every one of those things. You could give me an example. I could try to point one out to you. But um, in one gospel, you may have Peter getting to the tomb first. In another gospel, you may have John getting to the tomb first. And the writers may have different points in that. But they both agree that what they found was a resurrected body. Mm-hmm. So there's disagreement on some numbers, um, which could be translational issues. There's but, also disagreements on the consistency of the Old Testament with the New Testament. Yeah, I don't really see that. You don't. I see I see the Old Testament as a beautiful um, work that sets up and anticipates the New Testament. Um, and people say the God of the Old Testament is a different God than God of the New mm-hmm. Testament. Well, the God of the of the New Old Testament is described as loving and a compassionate Father and hold withholding mm-hmm. judgment when His nation repents. And the God of the New Testament judges the world in Revelation. So, you know, he's the same God, but he's both just and loving. And you see both in both Testaments. But what I've heard a lot of people, not a lot of people, but there is a group of people who is concerned about thou shalt not murder, however, God wiping out groups of people. Yeah, and and the rule doesn't apply to him because he's God. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want his people, but he did use judgment, and he still does it today, I think. To upon nations or civilizations or groups that had become dull in their hearing of him, and he on he ultimately gave them what they wished for. So if we got invaded to tomorrow, Lauren, by the North Koreans or by the Russians or who the Canadians or whoever the Canadians the Canadians here they come, and millions of people died in that invasion. Um, God could say that is highly justifiable as judgment on this nation. Mm. Innocent people always die in the judgment because innocent people are affected by the decisions made by unjust people. So, yeah, God ordered the complete execution of people and, and societies as judgment on them and also as a way from them influencing his nations going forward. But the murder command was not given to God. It was given by God. Mm. It was given to us. We don't get to do the kind of things God does. And God is right in doing what he does. We don't get to act that way. So I don't get to murder. I don't want to murder, but I don't get to. When God orders a war on a nation, it's for justice purposes and often judgment purposes. And he can do that. He's God. Mm. It's hard. It is hard. It's hard. Because it's almost like, on one hand, is allowing the innocent to be killed and murdered, is that indicative of a loving God? Furthermore, a God who's saying, do as I say, not as I do, which he's allowed to do that because he's God. No, we're not peers. We're not peers. And that's one of the problems with people that approach the scripture. I've got a friend who doesn't, he doesn't believe, says he doesn't believe in God because how God acted the Tower of Babel. Well, it sounds like you just don't like the way God acted. Right. That, that's not an argument for not believing in him. He just doesn't like the fact that he scrambled the languages. But, okay, so you don't like the way God acts, but it doesn't mean he's not God. 
and we tend to approach that book as if somehow God owes us explanation. No, he didn't owe us anything. Mm-hmm. We're, it's a gift that we even had the book. Is it important for us to read the entire book, or is the New Testament more important than the Old Testament? I think every page of Scripture has got life in it, and I read, I read more of the Old because there's more of it. I love the Old Testament, and it points so much to the New Testament, and I happen to believe the promises of the Old Testament apply to me as a Christian and to apply to my church and our church, the church. But you got to read all of it. Now, you might want to do some homework first because the, New, the Old Testament has some historical setting behind it that would help to understand what's going on mm-hmm. before you read it. You can get pretty bogged down if you start in Genesis. Mm-hmm. By the time you get to Leviticus, you might want to, oh you might be in trouble. Yeah. So do some bouncing around. Obviously, the New Testament tells us more about Christ and who he was, but he gave us 66 books in this library for a reason. Yeah. So I think you should read all 66 of them over and over and over again. All right. And I and it really does come down to friends, what do you want to believe? Yeah. If you want to if you want to prove the Bible wrong and go to it with that agenda, you'll have a lot of reasons. You'll find a lot of things for fodder in that. But there's a lot of people who have tried to disprove the Bible who in doing so became converted into Christ followers. Yeah, there are. But if you're looking to find trouble with it, you'll find it because it's it's mm-hmm. a difficult book. If you approach it humbly, it might just transform you. Right. Well, because you hear people all the time. I mean, well, I mean, it's interesting because it's, even though it's not allowed in schools now, it's still what we swear on in (laughs) courts. Um, And so obviously there is this, um, there's this viewpoint that this book has power. Um, Even in our government, even though a lot of it is rejected, it's still the thing that we swear on when we get when we yeah. justify. I think it's people see it as a, a symbol of our Judeo-Christian values. I'm yeah. not sure they think it's inspired, but it, it comes down. The question of this for Lauren me comes down to: What does it mean to you personally, mm-hmm. the listener out there? Where's your buck stop? Who's got the ultimate say in your life? I don't think there's a more reliable guide for living if you're trying to be a Christian than the book you have your right hand on right now, the Bible. And for me, that's all that matters is what it comes down to me. Mm-hmm. I don't feel the need to prove scripture to people mm-hmm. because I'm not going to. They've got to be okay yeah. with faith. At some point, you got to be okay with faith. If you can prove God, he's not God. Mm-hmm. He's beyond us. So let's not apologize for the fact that it is a book of faith, but really, really, historically, geographically, archaeologically, documentationally, verifiable. How's all those words at the end of that? That's a lot of stuff right there. That's a lot of lees. I got a lot of lees in there. Great. Come on. All right. Well, I mean, you won this argument. I wasn't actually, I believe the Bible. Finally, (laughs) we've done 30 of these and I finally got one right. I believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. You won. Did y'all hear that? Did y'all hear that out there in podcast land? She gave me, she gave me a prop. (laughs) You won on the Bible. You won on the Bible. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Um, I love your passion on this I love this topic. Love it. Um, So thank you. And you were right. I even had a quote here that says that it is 66 books written on three continents in three different languages over a period of 1500 years by more than 40 authors. Mm -hmm. You knew all that. I think I may have told you that. You maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for so addressing much the subject. Yes, thank ma'am. you guys for your amazing questions. Please continue to submit them at acfellowship.org slash podcast. And we will look forward to seeing you guys back next week. Bye.